Hello, hello, and welcome to Sports on the Rocks with Ken Larimer. I'm your host, Ken Larimer, and no, we don't have a blender. We're all out of mint and the espresso machine on the fritz. So all I'll be serving you is a big glass of what is happening around the sports world. Ah, on today's episode, Wednesday, October 18th, 2023, Ritter broke the seal. I'm creeding. CJ Stroud joins the club. Mac Jones is the scapegoat. Craig Reynolds wins block of the year. And of course, last call. But first, Monday Night Flags, or Monday Night Football. Cowboys at Chargers. Chargers were plus one and a half, over and under 50. Cowboys 20, Chargers 17. Now Aikman, Troy Aikman, one of the announcers in the booth, it's always fun to dissect his commentary when he is announcing a Cowboys game. He's clearly rooting for the Cowboys, and I don't blame him. Spent his entire career there in Dallas. Friends with Jerry Jones, friends with Michael Irvin, friends with Jimmy Johnson, who they showed in the stands, in the boxes, also in attendance for the game. And he can't help himself when he's calling this game. He's praising Dak constantly. Even when he makes a mistake, even when he makes a bad throw, he says, oh, that, that throw had to have been on purpose. It, 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 you know, it was so bad, it had to be on purpose. He had to be trying to throw it away. And most of the time, he is not trying to throw it away. There was a, it was a pass in the flat on the left, and uh, it looked like he was throwing it away. It looked like it could have been an interception. It really was a pass. But not to Troy Aikman. To Troy Aikman, it's a throwaway. No bad passes for Dak. Only throwaways. <laughs> and also, uh, Troy Aikman is totally angry with the play calling. Totally angry with the time management. Especially at the end of the first half. The Cowboys come out for a field goal attempt. Instead of calling timeout with eight seconds left, taking one shot to the end zone, they run the clock down to three seconds, call timeout, and then kick the field goal. And Troy was not happy. Honestly, everybody in the stands, people at home, also very confused. You have a timeout, you have eight seconds, enough time for Dak to make a long pass to CD, to make a long pass to Michael Gallup, maybe get a slant route to Tony Pollard. But instead running the clock down from eight seconds, then calling timeout. Seems like a mistake live. But in reality, it was on purpose. Interesting. Another funny tidbit about Troy Aikman. They actually show Jay-Z in the box seats, pouring himself a drink right out of the bottle. Ho! And he mentions how the internet thinks him and Jay-Z actually look alike. Now, I have this picture. Take a look. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I'll put it on my Twitter, at SportsOTRocks for you. And his comment about him looking like Jay-Z completely throws off Joe Buck. Joe Buck, not living on the internet, works too many jobs. He's calling games like eight days a week now. And, he, and Joe goes, uh, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> like he doesn't know how to respond to Troy Aikman saying that uh, he looks like Jay-Z, probably because Jay-Z is black and Troy Aikman is white. Joe Buck clearly sees color. 
But back to the game. In this game, seven punts in the first half between them. Another boring primetime game. 20 penalties in this game, totaling 164 yards and endless minutes of referee explanation that I will never get back. But it's another stinker Monday Night Football. And the NFL finds a way to suck us back in at the end of every one of these games. As once again, Justin Herbert and the Chargers find themselves down with the ball in the fourth quarter, hoping to go down and score at the end of this game to either tie or win. And once again, they shit the bed. All thanks to Micah Parsons and his sack in the fourth quarter on second and two. His first sack of the game, I might add, and the Cowboys' first sack in the game. But it's not the amount of sacks, but the motion of the ocean, as they always say. This sack pushes the Chargers back to third and ten with under two minutes left in the game. Pressure proves too much for Justin Herbert in the end as he's rushed, throws an interception, now back-to-back -back games with an INT. And as Dak said post-game, the Cowboys' offense was resilient. Word of the day, resilient. I went back, I tried to find a video of Zach's interview of him saying resilient, and literally a thousand videos of him saying resilient popped up. It's his word of the day calendar, and he, he has the calendar, and it says, uh, October 18th, resilient. And then he goes, ah, what a day, and he rips it off, and it says, October 19th, resilient. It's like if uh, Jerry Jones got him a resilient calendar. But after C.D. Lamb's frustration about his usage last week in a 42-10 loss to San Francisco, he finds a way to get the ball in this one. Or they find a way to get him the ball. Seven receptions, 117 yards, balled out. Couldn't be contained. Always extending the play for Zach, who was on the run for a lot of this game. But finding C.D. Lamb, extending the play, running sideline to sideline, leaving his route, coming to help his quarterback. But Pollard, Tony Pollard, not having any success on the ground, still finds six receptions for 80 yards in the air. His longest catch of 60 yards actually comes on a missed tackle. The guy comes up, and it looks like he's taking Pollard's pantyhose off, gets him around the waist, and just whoosh, slips right down. Pollard manages to stay on his feet in an amazing athletic play and only gets caught in a foot race by Asante Samuel Jr. And if that's not enough to make you feel old, there's an Asante Samuel Jr., not the senior we watched play. Asante Samuel Sr., very fast. I remember playing Madden, and he was the fastest player in the game. You would just toggle over to Asante Samuel and hit that turbo button, and he was the fastest player on the field, fastest player in the game. He must have passed some of those Madden skills over to Asante Samuel Jr., because this man is fast. He catches Tony Pollard. He must have been five yards behind him, and he catches him. Now, if you think the 40-yard dash in the combine does not matter and does not translate to in-game speed, you are wrong. Because Asante Samuel runs a 4-4-5, and Tony Pollard runs a 4-5-2. That little difference saves a touchdown, but only momentarily, as that 60-yard reception from Tony Pollard sets up Brandon Cook's first touchdown as a Cowboy and his fifth touchdown on a different NFL team.
the Saints, the Pats, the Rams, the Texans, and now the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. The Chargers are one of the most frustrating teams in the NFL. Most frustrating teams to watch in the NFL. One of the most frustrating teams to bet on in the NFL. Head coach Brandon Saley can't get the hang of fourth down. Last year, he was the king of fourth down. He's converting something like 60% of fourth downs. He was once fun. He was once risky. But now, I'm just confused. He's inconsistent. He's a shell of himself. The Chargers come out of the first half, run a 13-play drive, run down almost half of the third quarter clock, get to fourth down, Brandon Staley's favorite. Fourth and one at the Dallas 7 and decide to go for it down 10-7. Now you could argue, some would argue, that Staley and the Chargers should elect to kick the field goal there, tie a close game while they have the chance. But I'm not going to argue that point. I'm not going to argue that point. I'm more confused by the excitement behind Eckler returning from injury and Staley not trusting him to get one yard on fourth and one. Instead, we get an incomplete pass to Joshua Palmer. Now, play calling was also weird on their next drive that gets them again to the Dallas 9. This time, their first play is a direct snap to Eckler, So, like, realizing the mistake, but then making another mistake. It goes nowhere. Eats the down. Herbert scrambles for two yards on the next drive after being clearly confused with his wide receivers on the end. Bunk play. Blown up play. Visible confusion. Ends up scrambling for the two yards. Then, an incomplete pass. And then, a field goal to tie the game. Which is what they could have done on the previous drive. Now, a direct snap to Eckler on 4th and 1 probably would have worked. I don't know what they're doing with play calling. They seem confused by their own, by their own, they're, they're outsmarting themselves with these 4th down plays. Now, the Cowboys, 10-1 and one since 2021 after a loss. What a stat. Cowboys go into their bye week 4-2. and two. Only a game back in the NFC East after the Eagles played a close week 6 matchup, which we'll get to later in this episode. Unders, by the way, 13-6 and six in primetime. Easiest bet in all sports. Take the under in primetime games and just cross your fingers that nothing happens funky because unders are hitting at almost a 64% rate. Next up, my NFL Week 5 no-cap recap. Strap in, let's go. We're going back to Thursday Night Football Taylor returns. The queen of pop is back. Broncos at the Chiefs. Chiefs minus 10.5, over under 47.5. Chiefs 19, Broncos 8. What a cover in this game. If you're watching this game live, 16-8, to Broncos score. That's a cover. No reason for the Chiefs to score in this game. They drive down, run the clock, end up lining up for a field goal, and hitting that field goal to cover. Crazy cover if you're taking the Chiefs in this game. But guess what? Another primetime under. The Broncos against the Chiefs, 0-16, straight up since November 2015. Chiefs 11-5 during that same period against the spread. It's one of those bets. You just take the Chiefs and you plug your nose and you hope for the best. 
The Chiefs also moved to 3-0 with Taylor Swift in attendance. News all week about how bad Kelsey is hurt, her boo thing. Kelsey, nine receptions, 124 yards, so I don't know what they're talking about. Another case of the uh, injury report blues. Maybe gaining some super boosts by Taylor Swift being in the box. Who knows? Maybe it's like Taylor Swift's like a shot of morphine we don't know about. Kelsey also, since he played in the Thursday night football game, has the opportunity to have probably the coolest long weekend ever. Coolest long weekend away from work. Makes an SNL cameo in a sketch about NFL analysts being completely obsessed with Taylor Swift. And afterwards, hangs out at the SNL after party with Taylor Swift. People Magazine reporting from an inside source that was at the SNL after party pretty much describing very creepy observations. Like this inside source was literally just staring at them the whole party. This is the quote. Taylor and Travis were there all night and they were so smiley. They were so happy. They were so talkative. They were really fun. They talked to every single person in the room that talked to them. They were super cool, super nice, super happy. It was this inside source, this 15-year-old girl who likes Taylor Swift. What are these comments? Why is people reporting on this? Nobody's struggling with drugs or getting pulled over for a DUI, apparently. That people is reporting on the SNL after party from an inside source. I don't know. Also, attending the Phillies playoff game with his brother, Jason Kelsey, on Monday night. Having a good time, pounding beers, being bros. What a weekend. Travis Kelsey living his life. Good for him. I'm happy for him. He deserves it. The Broncos defense, however, experiencing whatever the opposite of Travis Kelsey's life is right now. Their defense is ranked 32nd through six weeks, with opposing defenses scoring on 53% of drives and allowing 6.7 yards per play. Getting run all over, getting thrown all over. Russell Wilson not even throwing for 100 yards in this game and getting picked off twice. Broncos throwing up a goose egg through three and a half quarters before Cortland Sutton scores a touchdown and Denver runs for a successful two-point conversion. And that was the cover. But doesn't matter in the end as Kansas City runs a nine-play drive that runs four minutes off the fourth quarter clock and takes the 19-8 lead after a 52-yard Butker field goal. Now, Butker, Kansas City's leading scorer in the game, going four for four on the day from 35, 60, 25, 52. The Broncos, however, have to be tanking. Are they this bad? Is Russell Wilson this bad? Is Sean Payton incompetent? Broncos one and five this season, fighting for the top pick in the NFL draft now, which you have to think will be a QB. But they're paying Russell Wilson $49 million per year through 2028. So that'll be interesting. We'll see how that pans out. I don't know who's trading for Russell Wilson. I don't know if you can even trade that contract away. But I guess we'll find out together. On to our cup of coffee game. Stop trying to make London happen, NFL. Ravens at Titans. Titans were plus five and a half in this one. Over under 42 and a half. The Ravens win 24 to the Titans 16. Now, NFL teams still don't understand London travel. 
I don't know if it's because they take up so much of their brain with football that they don't know or have any common sense about anything else, which is very possible, by the way. But still not getting London travel. The Ravens leave Monday before the game and get acclimated all week, while the Titans have this genius plan again, learning nothing from any other team that's traveled to London, leaving late Thursday night, flying through the night, and it completely is reflected by the gameplay on the field on Sunday morning at 9.30 Eastern time. Two different teams, completely different energy. The Titans are not right for the entire first half. Logging a field goal, three punts, going down 18-3, to looks like it's going to be a whomping. And it kind of was. The Ravens de-sacking both Tannehill and backup QB Malik Willis six times in this game. The defense is quicker. But wait. Why is Malik Willis in this game? Well, Tannehill goes out midway through the third and doesn't return and has this to say post-game about what exactly happened. Take a look. No, I was all in the one play. Um, tried to gut it out and... Um, you know, I couldn't couldn't put any force into the throws, so uh, knew I wasn't gonna be able to move. You know, I was trying to just kept walking it off, but it was getting worse and worse. And uh, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to to make the throws. What happened on the uh, on the pick? You know, chicks open. I just had no no push into it and, uh, and left it short. So uh, at that point, I just figured, you know, I'm gonna be sitting duck back there, and, and if I can't even push step into a throw, then you know, I'm not gonna be effective. Now, crutches are not usually a good sign, and neither is getting a high ankle sprain after landing on IR last season for the same injury. It doesn't look good. And Titans head coach Mike Vrabel comments post-game about the injury and doesn't make it sound any better. ...to where they were last year, you know, and uh, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. You know, we've got some time here for our next game, and, you know, Ryan will get, uh, you know, treat round the clock, and... You know, this will be a big week to, to see how he progresses, and then we'll make a decision on, on his availability next week and, and what we do then. I really feel for Derrick Henry, who, in a loss, logs an impressive 97 yards and a touchdown, even without Nashville air. They must have actually taken my advice. They might have bottled some Nashville oxygen, brought it with them on the trip. Why he was the only player who actually played up to competition this weekend only player that made the trip physically and emotionally that Nashville air though pumping up Derrick Henry still only 100 yard performance on the season but will be leaned on heavily as the season progresses or will he as rumors are coming out now that the Titans may be looking to trade Derrick Henry and for Derrick Henry's sake Please, please trade Derrick Henry. I always say I want to see all-stars on playoff teams. I want to see all-stars and I want to see all-pro players on competitive teams. I don't want to see them in January on the couch. I want to see them on the field. But I'm over London games. I'm done with it. Stop trying to make London happen, NFL. I'm tired of trying to wake up after a late Saturday night to watch these bad football games now I love extra football but maybe not 9 30 a.m in London maybe flip it around maybe after Sunday night football ends at like midnight one o'clock give us a 2 a.m game 
Maybe keep, keep them overseas, but give us a 2 a.m. game. Play early there. That would be exciting. I would stay up for a London game. I'm not waking up early for London games anymore. I'm over it. I'll watch the highlights on NFL+. Plus. Moving on. The Ritter seal is broken. Commanders at Falcons. Falcons were minus one and a half. Over and under 41 and a half. Commanders win this one. 24 to the Falcons 16. Heading into this game, all you hear is how Desmond Ritter is undefeated at home since his junior year of high school. Guilty. I said it last week. Of course, we all jinxed it. Jinx of the century. Throws three interceptions in the first half, which all but certainly decided this game before it even started. Bad interceptions. Bad interceptions. So bad, head coach Arthur Smith is clutching his head in shock. And he had this to say about the team's need to eliminate critical errors moving forward. Take a look. I don't want to ever sound like I'm making excuses or denying the inevitable, right? What happened, happened. But I think you do, if you want to look at it macro, big picture, and there's a lot of things that are expanding. And they're you know, making some big, big time throws. And guys are doing a good job getting open. And that, that should benefit us. But the critical errors, I mean, like I said, you go minus three in the turnover, it's going to get you beat more times than not. Um, they're different. That's the only thing I can say. You know, if a guy was making the same mistake, you know, the result still goes down as an interception, and why they happened, they've been different. I wouldn't call it discouraged, but clearly we got to eliminate this grill error. But if the Falcons can get their offense together, they will be in a good place, as their defense is legit. I've said it before. They sack Sam Howell five times in this game. They hold the commanders to 72 rushing yards and have not allowed more than 80 yards to a runner through six games this season. The Falcons almost doubled the commanders in first downs and total yards, led time of possession 36 to 23. Frustrating to watch. As I've somewhat become a Falcons fan this season, I love Bijan Robinson. He runs fast, he runs hard. Desmond Ritter not losing at home game all season not losing in his career since junior year of high school. That was fun to root for. Over. The commanders are not good. But what we learned in this game, maybe the Falcons not good either. The under, though, by the skin of their teeth, as the Falcons got the ball multiple times at the end of this game, had a chance to at least tie this game, hit the over, have a chance to cover the spread, have a chance to win straight up, have a chance to keep Desmond Ritter's undefeated home record. But he just continued to throw picks. It was very frustrating to watch. Again, especially as somebody who picked the Falcons. But moving on. The Vikings are powered by Creed. Vikings at Bears. Bears were plus three at home in this one. Over and under 44 and a half. The Vikings win 19 to the Bears 13. Now when asked how the Vikings found a fight to win... Kirk Cousins had this to say. Take a listen. But it does feel really good to win, to win on the road in the division. And um, uh, Garrett Bradbury in the locker room pregame uh, took a clip from the, from the Texas Rangers and made sure that Creed got played before we went out in the field. And I felt like that, that may have made the difference. So we got that going for us. But uh, take any questions, yeah. Which Creed, what, what made you decide to play Creed? You know, the Rangers have been playing Creed, and they're rolling the playoffs. And, uh, uh, you know, we've been listening to it in the lifts a little bit here and there. But music's banging on the, on the, on the boom box most uh, pregames. And uh, 
in the locker room. We thought we'd maybe mix it up, mix up the genre a little bit, get some creed in there. And uh, Garrett made sure it happened, and uh, it was uh, it was well received. Which song? Uh, we started, you know, it's got, they got quite a catalog. But we started with uh, with higher with higher this week. We didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to overstep our bounds. So we just one higher, and then uh, you know next week maybe we can see what we go to from there. It's a new tradition now. Well, you know, we'll see. But uh, you know, I just may have made the difference. Who knows? Now it'll take a little more than Creed to help the Bears. There isn't enough Creed in the world to help the Bears. The Bears rush for 162 yards to the Vikings 46 in this game. And you hear that and you go, wow, Justin Fields had a game. Justin Fields stepping up, running all over the, the Vikings defense. He had a massive day. But he doesn't. He goes 6 for 10, 58 yards in the air, throws an interception, gets sacked four times. The last happening in the third quarter, he gets sacked to the ground, holds his hand, gets up slowly, doesn't look good, and it's not. He goes directly to the blue tent, does not collect $200. After the game, head coach Matt Eberflus would say Fields had an x-ray at the stadium, and it was negative. I never know what negative means. Is negative positive? Is it like golf negative, like where negative's good? Does negative mean that they don't know? Is negative positive or is negative negative? Or is negative Nancy? I don't know. But we do know now is that he suffered a dislocated thumb and is doubtful for this Sunday's game and for the foreseeable future. But stepping into the QB role, Chicago, don't worry, Tyson Baggett is here. An undrafted rookie from a D2 school, Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, of course, later announced that Baggett is to start moving forward with Nathan Peterman serving as his backup. Now, this creates an interesting dynamic of the top QB pick, Justin Fields, potentially competing with an undrafted QB once healthy if Baggett plays well in replacement. But knowing the Bears, they'll screw this up. I don't doubt it. The Vikings, however, snagging a much-needed win. I like them to cover in this one. They can't be bad forever. They are a middle-of-the-pack team. It's what we are learning as the season moves forward. Obviously now missing Justin Jefferson dearly. But I did think Jordan Addison would fill in for him, slip right in, and he did. And I liked him to score in this game, and I put that out on Twitter, at SportsOTRocks. Didn't have a huge game, but draws five targets and three receptions, nags that touchdown. The offense, however, still struggling to get the rush going. Alexander Madison limited to 2.4 yards per carry, even against the Bears' bottom-of-the-league defense. I think they're 30, 31st, only in front of the Denver Broncos. But it's the Vikings' D that locks down this victory. Didn't matter who the QB was. They sacked them a total of five times and intercepted both Bears quarterbacks. On a sack midway through the third quarter, the Vikings would strip sack Baggett and linebacker Jordan Hicks would scoop and score to put the Vikings up 19-6. Jordan Hicks also with a pick in this game. Post-game, head coach Kevin O'Connell spoke on how important Hicks is to the team. Take a listen. Alec, you're basically a unanimous captain voted by his teammates, and, and he's somebody that I really lean on. 
um, in addition to Harrison, uh, you know, Smith and Phillips and Daniel and, and, and Byron and some of them and Metellus on defense. But Jordan's just, he's seen so much football. He's been so productive for a long time. He's our green dot. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, within our defense, depending on the game plan. Um, but what Jordan did today kind of rivaled what Harry uh, did against the Panthers. It just felt like um, he was not going to be denied a chance to be the guy to go out there uh, and respond. And uh, how he was on the sideline, how he was all week in prep, um, really, really happy with Jordan and proud of him as one of our you know, core leaders showing up the way he did today. The Vikings now 2-4 and four, have a chance next Monday Night Football to keep that momentum, but... Unfortunately, they will host the 49ers, who are experiencing some injuries themselves, which I will get to later in this episode. Next up, Burrow is just happy to be here. Seahawks at Bengals. Bengals are minus three at home in this one, over and under 45 and a half. Bengals win 17 to the Hawks, 13. The Seahawks score a touchdown on their first drive. 11 plays, ending with a power run from who else? Kenneth! Kenneth Walker the third. Kenneth, I'm proud of you, Kenneth. Doing it again. Giving Kenneth's a good name. Power run from Kenneth Walker the third. Responsible for the only visit to the end zone in this game. Grinding 19 carries for 62 yards and snagging an additional three receptions for 27 yards. What you won't see in this stat sheet is he makes a sick one-handed catch at his highest point in the flat goes up gets it for his quarterback Kenneth I'm proud of you Kenneth Geno Smith found Tyler Lockett for six receptions 94 yards and DK four receptions 69 yards nice but it was his passes to the other team in the second half that led to the Hawks losing this game despite having significantly more first downs, total yardage, and time of possession. Seahawks 1-5 from the red zone. Killer. Gino took responsibility for the loss postgame. Take a listen. Through my reads, you know, trying to find the open guy. Like I said, I have to go back and look at the film to give it, you know, an exact, uh, you know, observation of what, what I should have done better. But overall, just should have been better, you know. I feel like my guys, you know, the defense played a tremendous game. Uh, I feel like the offensive line played a tremendous game. I felt like, you know, you felt Charles Cross, you know, out there when he got back in the game, and he did a tremendous job. I thought Jackson, I'm so proud of Jackson, the way he played. Um, you know, so proud of DK, the way he fought in battle, and as, as well as Tyler, man. And, uh, you know, I felt like the guys deserved a win today. Obviously, uh, I didn't, you know, do my best job today you know, to get that done. So, um, you know, those are things that, you know, I put on myself. I lay it right at my feet, right on my shoulders, and uh, I look forward to the next opportunity. The Bengals still don't look like they are in Super Bowl contender form. Mixon not getting anything going on the ground yet again, averaging only 3.8 yards per carry on the season, and still only has one touchdown through six games. Jamar Chase, after giving his always open guarantee. I'm open. I'm always fucking open. Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. Targeted 13 times, but only bringing in six receptions, totaling 80 yards and held without a touchdown, possibly not always open, like he may think. Especially when Burrow threw to him in one-on-one coverage up the right sideline at the beginning of the third quarter. 
it results in an interception. However, Burrow throwing behind Chase, perhaps still not getting enough behind his throws with this lingering calf injury he's experienced all this season. I like the Bengals in this one. I like the Bengals at home. I'm not a believer in the Seahawks. I think the Bengals will get it together. Yeah, I try not to bet against Joe Burrow. But these teams, both three and two, headed in different directions as the season progresses. Geno Smith playing like usual self, whereas Burrow will get stronger and healthier every single day. But the Bengals D keeping them in these games until Burrow gets back to 100%, that deserves a game ball. Bengals D, game ball. Two interceptions in this game, holding the Hawks to three punts, two field goals, and most importantly, two fourth down holds at the end of the fourth quarter of this game with the game on the line inside their own 10-yard line. I'm back on the Bengals wagon. But they have to survive a gauntlet in their next four games. At the 49ers, hosting the Bills, hosting the Texans, then at the Ravens in a tough divisional matchup. If they can come out of those four games unscathed, or even with a 2-2 two and two record, the rest of their schedule, I have them finishing 6-1. and one, With their only tough matchup at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. And Burrow says it best when talking to the media post-game. Take a listen. You got the win. It's a lot easier to, to fix things when you're 3-3 three and three than if you had lost this one. So uh, never going to apologize for a win. Joe Cool, you're sucking me back in. I'm back on the Bengals bandwagon. I really want to win a Bengals bet, a big Bengals parlay. I want them to be the reason I win a big parlay, and I will invest and put it in the rafters, that beautiful white tiger Bengals jersey with Burrow's name on the back. Uh, I can't wait. Next up, Watson's no-show job. 49ers at Browns. Browns are plus nine and a half in this one. Over and under 36. Browns 19. 49ers 17. Browns with a big upset win after... The 49ers kicker Jake Moody misses a 41-yarder with nine seconds left in the game for what would have been the game-winning kick. Tough miss when your team is undefeated and plays a tough, gritty game in Cleveland with loud Browns fans. Even tougher when your entire family is in attendance to watch you play. The rookie kicker gave these incredibly sad comments in the locker room post-game that have you feeling for the 23-year-old. Here it is. Yeah, I mean, we, we work really hard together. Um, we've hit a million kicks. Um, you know, it's, it's not like we're not practicing it or, you know, obviously we, we trust each other and uh, have each other's backs. And, um, you know, for a guy that just got here, having, you know, all my teammates, you know, tell me to keep my head up. Give me a high five, pat on the back. Like that was, that was pretty cool. So I really appreciate all that. Um, you know, especially them putting their trust in me to, to make a kick and just not execute. But you know, having everybody have my back, even for a guy that just got here, that was pretty cool. After going and making all nine of his previous field goal attempts before this game, missing two in this one, maybe feeling the pressure from his family maybe feeling the pressure from the Cleveland fans. Missing the game winner in this one. 
And it has me thinking something greater might have been at play. And Amari Cooper gives us more insight on this post game. That was all God, 100%. I mean, I talked to a couple guys uh, after the game because I, I for sure was praying that he missed it. And I don't generally do that, but man, we needed that one, man. <laughs> so I had to do what I had to do. And I talked to a couple couple guys, JOK, Elijah, they all said the same thing. So, you know, that, that definitely strengthened my faith, if I'm being 100% honest. Maybe more Browns players should start reaching out to a higher power. Because Cooper also drops 108 yards and four receptions. Especially with backup quarterback P.J. Walker stepping in for a no-show Deshaun Watson who is still sitting with a bruised shoulder. But the injury information has been shrouded in mystery with team doctors saying Watson, cleared to play, can play. It's on him. It's up to him. But Watson, apparently choosing to sit out. Interesting decision. Walker throws two picks in this game, but has help from the running back tandem of Jerome Ford and newly signed running back Kareem Hunt, totaling 131 yards combined, but it's the defense that delivers this win for the Browns at home. After allowing 28 points to the Ravens last week, coming back, holding Brock Purdy, who a lot of talk about Brock Purdy being the man, Brock Purdy being a system quarterback, Brock Purdy not having what it takes, and he didn't in this one. Going 12 for 27, 125 yards, throws a touchdown, throws an interception. CMC, 11 carries, 43 yards, exits the game with injury. Oh no. MVP season, maybe hanging by a thread. The 49ers possibly losing more than the game in this one with injuries also to Debo Samuel and their star left tackle, Trent Williams. Now, CMC getting an MRI post-game and being reported to have an oblique rib injury with questionable severity as the team has obviously been hush-hush about it. Debo hurting his left shoulder on the first play of the game, but viewed as day-to-day -day moving forward. And Williams looked to have avoided a high ankle sprain, but also day-to-day -day with his ankle injury. The Browns' defense proven this one. They are the real deal holding one of the league's best offenses to only two touchdowns and 17 points. A messy game overall, though. 25 flags. Ref show. 25 flags being thrown, resulting in 224 yards of penalties. Now, both teams almost equal offenders penalty-wise, but the Browns have a pretty easy rest of their schedule, and if they can get Watson to come back and want to play football, and come back healthy, they will be a force in the playoffs and a favorite to win the tightly fought AFC North. Their defense is for real. Their offense has been up and down, but with Watson in the game, their offense can score, their offense is electric, and their defense can keep them in games. Winning formula. Next up, HN who? Panthers at the Dolphins. The Dolphins were minus 14 and a half. This line was all over the place. I think as far up as 15 and a half. Over and under 47 and a half. But don't worry. The Dolphins went 42 to the Panthers 21. No HN, no problem. No HN, no problem. Raheem Mostert stepping right back in. Stepping right up to the plate. Taking back the bulk of the backfield. Saying, Devon, 
stay healthy. I know you're on IR. I know you might be back in four games. Daddy's got it. 17 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Also snagging another touchdown in the air. Tyreek Hill still on track to set all types of season-long records. Six receptions. Are you ready for this? 163 yards. It's not even real anymore. Gets another touchdown. Celebrating the touchdown with another viral celebration when he grabs a fan's phone and does a backflip. POV. Hill receiving another penalty for taunting on this play and saying post-game, he doesn't care. Uh, nah. You feel me? Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, kind of happened. You know, I seen the camera, you know, um, and I just took it from him. And he didn't want me to take it from him, so, um, so I just called my shot. I'm just hoping that I didn't lock the phone and the video, you know, actually went through, so. You did. Yeah. Other you did. You it's out there. You huh? It's already you, out you there. You had to stop the half a flip. Oh, man. That's very hurtful. I know the NFL gonna find me more. Yeah. It's worth it though. Um, just being able, you know, to create memories I can look back on whenever I'm done playing is always, you know, something I, I think of every each and every time I play this game. So every time I step on the field, man, I'm, I'm gonna try to make it memorable. The Dolphins score a touchdown on almost half of the drives in this game, and Tua notching three more passing touchdowns on his belt. Healthy Tua is important. Tua being in the game is important and that is even more clear when mike white comes into this game and on his first pass attempt throws a pick six you can't make it up mike white what are you doing go back to making white lotus we don't need you in the game Tua, please stay healthy we need mike white making more light lotus the Dolphins win this one, like I said, super easy, 42-21. The second game in a row, the Panthers have allowed 42 points and won't be the last as they are now 0-6 with no winning in sight. Bryce Young, eh, he looks okay. But he's not getting much help outside of Adam Thielen, who continues to rack up stats in a lost season, and the good players always do. They always get theirs. 11 receptions, 115 yards, one touchdown. Thielen now has four touchdowns through six games and is averaging 10.4 yards per catch and eight receptions per game. Target Thielen's player props as the Panthers will continue to play from behind and Thielen remains the only real target for rookie Bryce Young. And this week, Frank Reich announcing he will hand over offensive play calling to the offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, who has this to say about taking over the reins. I mean, it's huge. I think it's what uh, three of us in the National Football League coordinators. It's a rare opportunity uh, for a number of different reasons, which I won't dive into you know, my thought process on the reasons why right now. Uh, but I, I do understand um, I have an opportunity to help us have success from a Panther standpoint, but also open up doors for more guys looking at myself as well in the future. Now the Dolphins have the Eagles next up in what will be the game of the week. Sunday night football in Philly. Now the Eagles just losing to the Jets, which we'll cover coming up, maybe looking ahead to this matchup with Miami this Sunday. Maybe the reason for the Jets loss. Who knows? But we'll talk about it very shortly. But for now, 
Minshew not welcome back in Duvall. Colts at Jags. Jags are minus three and a half at home. Over and under 44. The Jags win this one 37 to the Colts 20. Now Gardner Minshew with his first start of the season with Anthony Richardson probably out for the year, according to Colts owner Jim Irsay. Now officially out for the year getting surgery, according to Jim Irsay. What a shame. But we called it a few weeks ago here at Sports on the Rocks with Ken Larimer. Anthony Richardson, too good to be true. You can't be that electric on the ground and that consistent in the air and not get pummeled. It's just a matter, a matter of time before you get a season-ending injury. It happens to them all. It happens to every primarily running-focused quarterback. Unfortunately for him, it ends his rookie season. But fortunately for him, he's a rookie. So he's young. He'll heal up quick. They weren't going to do anything this season, the Colts, that is. So good riddance. Get healthy. Come back. Hopefully the Colts get a top draft pick now that their season is pretty much over. Gardner is not going to lead them to the promised land. And he comes back with a better team, maybe a better offensive line, maybe some more weapons. We'll see. But I hope he comes back healthy because, like I said, he was electric. He was so fun to watch. But in this one, we get Gardner Minshew starting against his former Jags team and not the homecoming he had hoped for. Minshew getting strip sacked to start the second quarter, then midway through the second quarter, throwing a ball into the defender's hands. The defender drops it. Whew, that was close. But then, throws a pick on the very next play. First of three Jags interceptions. The second interception coming on a wobbly overthrow right into the uh, defensive back's hands in the third quarter. And the third and final coming early in the fourth quarter, tossing it up to Michael Pittman Jr. in the end zone, but shorting it as Gardner Minshew is prone to do for an easy I-N-T. Minshew forced to throw the ball 55 times in this game, probably leading to his three interceptions. He is not a quarterback that can get away with this successfully. The Jags also limiting Zach Moss and Indy's backfield to only 44 yards. The Jags have only allowed 75 plus yards to an opposing backfield, backfield, not running back, backfield, one time this season, and that was to Atlanta's Bijan Robinson, week four, who rushed for 105 yards. Jags running back Travis Etienne finding the end zone twice in this game, and more importantly, in only 16 seconds. How do you do that? How does that happen? Well, Etienne scoring his first touchdown on a two-yard rush before the Jags kicking off, and that Minshew sack fumble we just talked about on the very next play. Then, on the very next Jags play, ETN rushing for 22 yards and tying his career record for touchdowns in a game with two. With this win over the Colts, the Jags sweep the season series and move to an impressive 9-0 in their last nine hosting the Colts. Mark that down in your book for next season. Jags at home against the Colts. Bet him and bet him hard. The Jags have a short week before they travel to New Orleans to play the Saints on Thursday Night Football. The short week is not good for Jags quarterback Trevor Lawrence as he is seen doing individual drills at practice this week with a knee brace on. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor, which... Press Taylor, Press, what a crazy first name. But offensive coordinator Press Taylor had this to say about Lawrence's injury to the media this week. Sure. Oh, that's where you just kind of trust your training staff. 
So as long as Trevor's in a position where he can't injure himself or, you know, as long as he gives us the best chance to win the game and without risking himself or whatever that may be, then that's, that's what we continue to do. And again, that's just conversation with everybody involved in the, in the process. I still don't know who the Jags really are as a football team. But as I've said on this pod a few times, do not underestimate their defense. And if ETN can maximize his touches, they will be competitive against any team they face. This matchup with the Saints coming up, though, on Thursday, I will talk more about on the next episode of Sports on the Rocks with Ken Larimer. But you already know I'm taking the under. Take the under in this Jags-Saints game as both teams will look to run the ball and play conservative football for what will be another boring Thursday night football. Next up, the Texans win in Stroud. Saints at Texans, Texans plus two and a half at home, over and under 42 and a half. The Texans win this one, 20 to the Saints, 13. Now again, the Saints, 6-0 to the under this season, the best bet in the NFL. And as I said before, bet it this Thursday. Jag Saints will go under. But C.J. Stroud throwing his first NFL interception. But Nico Collins actually forces a fumble on the play. And Houston recovers, retains possession, and ends up scoring a touchdown at the end of that same drive. So an interception, kind of. Not Stroud's best game. 13-27, 199 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Finding his rookie partner in crime, Nico Collins, for another four receptions and 80 yards, sprinkling his touchdown passes to some familiar faces. Dalton Schultz, former Cowboy, four receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown. His third game in a row, finding the end zone. And his comments after last week's loss were inspirational in retrospect. Take a listen. I mean, every loss ain't fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, losing's not fucking fun. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what are you going to do? You got two choices. You're going to mope about it, or you're going to get back on the horse and come to work. Yeah. Um, and I think we got the right guys in the locker room to be able to make the right choice on that. Robert Woods, former Ram, whose only reception results in a six yard touchdown. And I'm happy to see him back. I'm happy to see him get in the mix. Journeyman wide receiver. He is all smiles post-game as he jokingly doesn't recognize Stroud's INT. I mean, every loss ain't fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, losing's not fucking fun. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what are you going to do? You got two choices. You're going to mope about it, or you're going to get back on the horse and come to work. Yeah. Um, and I think we got the right guys in the locker room to be able to make the right choice on that. Now, both of those videos, courtesy of Big Sarge Sports on Twitter. Now, the Saints seem light years away from their 34-0 shutout of the Pats last week. The New Orleans Derek Carr experience continues. 32 for 50, 353 yards, one touchdown, one interception, finding Alave for seven receptions, 96 yards, gives us these completely cliche-laden comments post-game about how much he wants to win. Take a listen. Yeah, very, very disappointed. I was... I was livid coming off field. I was angry coming off field. I had to calm down a little bit, you know. Um, uh, but you know, when we as an offense had too many details, and you know, I'm not going to tell you what happened. And yes, we know, and yes, we know what it was, and all those things. And I won't say it, but 
there's these little details that if we just do those things right, you're, you t- you're looking like, oh my gosh, we scored 28 points, you know, or we, you know, and uh, I just want to win, man. Like, you know, the yards are awesome, great, thanks, um, you know, yes, but couldn't care less. Like, I just want to win. That's all I care about um, is, is winning football games. And if we don't do those details right, and every single time, especially when the game's on the line, that's when it matters most, um, then we're going to have this feeling more often than not. Saints fans looking for any change possible to spark this offense as they question why Jameis Winston isn't starting. Why is he not being given a chance and an opportunity to start? As well as a potential change at OC after going 0-3 in the red zone in this game and missing two field goals. Derek Carr himself frustrated with the play calling and even caught yelling on field at offensive coordinator Carmichael on the sideline and told reporters he would later apologize. I apologized to Pete actually on the airplane. I was talking to Pete, but I wasn't talking about Pete. Pete and I know exactly what I was talking about and why. When the game's on the line, that's when you have to be on every detail of your assignment. And I was a little upset at some of those things. It had nothing to do with Pete. He just happened to be the one that walked up when I was a little angry. Now, who do Saints fans want to replace offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael? John Gruden, of course, who has been doing a little consulting for the Saints since last offseason. Now, this would be interesting as Gruden still has an ongoing lawsuit against the NFL, which was filed November 2021, in which he accuses the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell of a malicious and orchestrated campaign to force Gruden to resign as the Raiders head coach by leaking racist, sexist, and anti-gay emails that no one disputes Gruden sent. And that would be interesting to say the least. Is Mac Jones the scapegoat? Patriots at Raiders, Raiders minus three, over and under 41 and a half. The Raiders cover this one by the skin of their teeth, 21 to the Pats, 17. Safety alert! Safety alert. The most electric play in football made an appearance and at the most opportune time for the Raiders to cover this spread, cover this spread for their gambling fans, their gambling followers. The score is 19-17 Raiders. Set the stage. Mac Jones and the Pats get the ball back. 2.23 left in the fourth quarter. Have a chance to go on a game-winning drive, quiet the non-believers, an offensive holding and delay of game penalty bring the Pats back to their own four on third and 15 and you can almost smell it you can smell it before it happens the Pats offensive line parts like the Red Sea smacks Crosby Bilal Nichols join Mac Jones in the end zone for an occupational health and safety meeting marking the third sack on Jones on the day and the fourth against the Pats QBs in this game. More telling than not even trying to defend this blitz from the Raiders is the O-line not rushing to help Mac up off the ground, completely disrespecting the Patriots' supposed leader. Just one of many problems the Patriots are experiencing this season. As with the loss, they drop to an abysmal 1-5. and And the rumor mill has begun to churn in New England. Is the Mac Jones experiment over? 
Are the Pats tanking? Is Bill Belichick going to move on? When you look at the Pats roster top to bottom, they are bad. Signing Zeke in the offseason, almost a telltale sign that, they're, that they are tanking. It's next level Bill Belichick tanking. He's one of the winningest coaches of all time. So of course, he would also be the best at tanking. It's the literal opposite of winning. If you know how to be the best at winning, you would know how to do the opposite, right? But on the opposite side of the ball, Jimmy INT does it again. Throws an interception in this game, living up to his name. However, he does suffer a back injury in the second quarter and is actually taken to the hospital in an ambulance. People thinking the worst. What the hell is going on? He got sacked. Now he's in an ambulance on his way to the hospital. Flashbacks of DeMar Hamlin. Is he okay? Is he going to be okay? Are all my Jimmy INT jokes going to get me canceled? Head coach Josh McDaniels had this to say about the injury this past Monday. There was some concern yesterday that it was an internal issue. Oh, shit. So we did a bunch of scans yesterday. Last night, seems like we dodged a bullet in that regard. That's good news. We're still doing a couple things this morning. We'll kind of make sure we do all the right things here as we go forward. The prognosis is a lot better than it might have been otherwise. But in Jimmy INT's absence, Brian Hoyer, the 15-year journeyman quarterback, comes into the game and is booed by his home fans? Josh Jacobs had this to say about Hoyer shutting up the haters. Take a listen. I mean, it was the same. It was the same vibe in the huddle. Same, same intensity. Uh, I mean, you know, we we trusted these guys. We practiced with them every day. Uh, we know he's capable of. Um, you know, to hear the fans boo him and shit was kind of crazy. Um, but he came out there and bombed him and shut him up. So I mean, that just is what it is. Now Jacobs not having a good year himself, averaging 2.9 yards per carry on the season. In this one, 25 carries, 77 yards, notching over his season-long average for 3.1 yards per carry. In my opinion, Hoyer might be a better option than Jimmy INT. 6 for 10, 102 yards, and most importantly, no interceptions. Also no touchdowns. But not much of a difference from Jimmy INT. But before Jimmy gets sent to the hospital... He finds Jacoby Myers, the former Patriot, lining up for the first time against his former team and has a great game. Five receptions, 61 yards, gets in for this touchdown brought to you by Lost Talks Pats on Twitter, who had a great view from their end zone seats. Myers had this to say to reporters post-game about the opportunity to play his former squad. Take a listen. Um, more so in the middle, but it was, it did creep up a little bit as game time came, you know what I mean? It was, I was just excited, you know what I mean? I definitely was excited for just all of them, like, to see everybody, to play them, because I've been in practice against them a lot, so just all of it, man. But I tried to stay in the middle the best I can. Myers should love being a Raider as Devontae Adams receives most of the attention of opposing defenses, allowing Myers to find the end zone four times this season. And as much as you don't want to root for injuries, if you are a Raiders fan, you hope Jimmy INT 
takes as much time as he wants to get healthy. Maybe like the rest of the season, just stay away from the team, get healthy, worry about you, worry about yourself. But the Raiders have another get right game against the Justin Fieldless Bears week seven, while the Pats are an 8.5 home dog against the Bills looking to shake off their London hangover. So we'll see what happens. Where is Kyler Murray? Cardinals at the Rams. Rams minus seven at home. Over and under, 47 and a half. The Rams win this one easily, 26 to the Cards nine. This matchup was destined for the under. The Rams being seven-point favorites at home was easy pickings. The Cards are bad. We know the Cards are bad. We've known the cards are bad and heading into this game have not won on the road and lose by an average of 11 points on the road. The first half of this game starts like most Rams cards games do. Five punts, five field goals, nine, six Rams. The second half, the Rams are tired of playing with their food. Cooper Cup, healthy, back to being a ball hog, seven receptions, 148 yards, one touchdown, no one happier with Cup's return than Matthew Stafford, who had this to say post-game about getting their timing back. I mean, I think, uh, you know, each individual plays its own, you know, uh, little moment in time. So you, sometimes you're going to be on, sometimes you're not, um, you know, even within games. So uh, I thought we obviously connected for some, uh, for some good ones today. Um, you know, going to try to continue to do that and spread the ball around as much as I can and uh, get everybody involved. But Puka Nakua, Puka Puka, kind of quiet with four receptions, 26 yards, but not due to lack of attention as he still snagged seven targets to Cups nine. But what a problem to have for the Rams that you can't get your two electric wide receivers enough targets. But running back Kyron Williams after being stuck Stuffed by the Eagles, double stuffed Oreos by the Eagles last week, goes off. 20 carries, 158 yards, one touchdown, beast mode. But coming out today that he suffered a high ankle sprain and will be out until at least the Rams week 10 bye week, which is disappointing for the Rams, disappointing for NFL fans, and most importantly, disappointing for Kyron Williams. I bet the Rams would have liked to still have Cam Akers on this roster because running back backup Ronnie Rivers also experiencing an injury in this one leaving the Rams searching for a running back lack of running back depth will for sure stunt their offense over their next two games against tough Steelers and Cowboys defenses but some good news for the cards this week as Kyler Murray where's Kyler oh he's back at practice We'll see how that works out. It can't get any worse for the cards. But the Eagles look ahead. Eagles at the Jets. Jets plus six and a half at home. Over and under 43 and a half. The Jets 20. The Eagles 14. The Jets defense is as good as we thought they were. They're as good as we thought they were. Picking off Hurts three times in this game. Forcing Swift to fumble. Head coach Salah breaks down the defense's domination through six weeks. Take a listen. Yeah, um, thought defense, uh, per the usual, uh, outstanding. Um, 
you know, through these first six weeks, we've played a gauntlet of quarterbacks. And um, I know we haven't gotten all wins, but we've embarrassed all of them. And uh, just really, really proud of, of the defense and its resolve. Uh, thought Brick and the staff had a, an excellent game plan. Down three corners, four of our six corners. Um, I thought our D-line was good in terms of keeping that uh, kid in the pocket. He's a handful. Hurts, their, their O-line, their receivers. Thought our guys battled all the way through. I'll tell you, it's a good thing that the defense continues to play up to their opponents because Zach Wilson sucks. Did not have a great game in this one. 19 for 33, 186 yards, but doing just enough, no interceptions. The Eagles do sack him five times, as they're prone to do. But Wilson limiting his game-altering mistakes and holding on to the ball which is what the Jets need from him. It's all they want from him. Just don't gift the ball to the other team. Play for field position and let the defense cook. Wilson had this to say to reporters post-game about the great team win against the Eagles. Take a listen. Yeah, huge. This is a big win for us. This is a, an unbelievable team, as I think you guys saw. That was a, a good team on that side of the ball, and those guys did a great job up front. They did a great job in their secondary of making it tough on us, not giving us easy ones, and um, we needed that win, and I thought all the guys kept fighting. Everyone kept fighting. Uh, we had O-linemen stepping up that, you know, tip, tip going down, and Wes coming in and stepping up, and Max coming in and playing this week as well, and I thought everyone was battling all the way across the board. You know, we were no quit in this team. From one Wilson to the next, Garrett Wilson is an elite wide receiver one. Drawing 12 targets, 8 receptions, 90 yards against the Eagles defensive backs who only have allowed 80 plus yards to three receivers this season. Those receivers? Justin Jefferson? Elite. Cooper Cup? Elite. Terry McLaurin? Elite. One of the nicest catches Garrett Wilson had in this game, one-on-one -on -one coverage up the right sideline, Wilson goes up and gets it over the defensive back. Helps his quarterback. His quarterback may not have it, but Garrett Wilson does. Scary moment for Jets fans as Garrett Wilson, running a route, falls to the turf without contact and comes off the field. Turns out it was nothing serious. So Jets fans, sigh of relief. <sighs> he's okay. You're going to be okay. The Eagles almost certainly looking ahead to their matchup next week against the most explosive offense in the league, the Miami Dolphins. Not A.J. Brown, though. A.J. Brown not looking ahead. And actually enjoying Sauce Gardner being out for this game, still with concussion symptoms. And actually, weird tweet from Sauce Gardner where he tweets out, after the news he will not play, in this game against the Eagles, I feel perfectly fine. That's the crazy part about it. This is a perfect example of why NFL players and athletes have to be saved from themselves. This is why we can't allow athletes to make decisions about their health themselves. As far as playing injured. If they feel injured, they don't want to play. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Watson sitting. He feels like he's not going to give 100%. Let him sit. Because if he plays and he gets hurt, or he looks like shit, it's on him and not the team or the team doctors who said he could play. So back to this case, Sauce Gardner. Sauce feels like he can play. He got a concussion in the last game. They're going, no, you're not playing. You had a concussion. You have concussion symptoms. So Sauce is young. 
Sauce is hungry. He obviously wanted to play against the Eagles. He wants to line up against the best in the league, and I appreciate that. But I also appreciate team doctors, and they they also have like the uh, NFL intermediary doctors, so the team can't go, he's fine, he's healthy. Like the NFL doctors come in and go, oh, let's take a second look. So I'm okay with him not playing. I'm okay with him wanting to play and being confused to why he can't play. He has a concussion. But back to the game. The Jets clawing their way back to 500, going into their bye. And the Eagles-Dolphins matchup this Sunday will be the game of the season. With both teams being 5-1, and one, top of their respective divisions, and will be appointment television. Next up, Craig Reynolds wins block of the year. Lions at Bucks, Bucks plus three, at home, over and under 43 and a half. Lions win this one, 20 to the Bucks six. After missing last week's game with an abdominal injury, Amon Ross St. Brown returns in a big way. 15 targets, 12 receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. And he does have Craig Reynolds to thank for that touchdown as he lays down the best block of the year. Clearing a lane for Brown to score the first touchdown of the game. Jamison Williams also getting involved in the offense slowly after being suspended for the first four games of this season for violating the league's gambling policy. How did he violate the league's gambling policy? He must have bet on the NFL no. He just bet on sports while he was at work. While at the Lions facility, I guess. Which is a no-no. Because you're on the app. You could very easily bet on the NFL. You don't have to click MLB. You could click NFL. So it's in the same app. But they track, and they end up finding out. He didn't bet on the NFL. He just bet on sports. But he did it at the facility. Suspended six games. He appeals it. They lower it to four, which is why he's playing in this game, but they lower it for four forever. So if you gamble at all in the NFL, if you gamble on the NFL, they've actually made it a much more stringent penalty. But if you bet on sports, it's just four games. So I guess depending on how much you're betting or how much you're making per game, you, you, you might have a decision there. You think the uh, you think the Astros are going to win the World Series? You want to place a future for a million dollars? Might be worth taking a four game sit. Who knows? Jamison Williams though slowly getting involved into the Lions' offense with only three targets and two receptions, but one of those receptions, a touchdown on a forty five yard bomb from Jared Goff. <laughs> Jamison Williams also having the best week ever as he was invited to the Red Wings game to sound off the new goal horn to kick off the game. Jared Goff looks more and more like a stud, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Jared Goff. In this game, 30 for 44, 353 yards, two touchdowns, and he had this to say 
about his 1,618 yards, 11 touchdowns, and three interceptions on the season thus far. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know a lot of hard work, obviously, but typically um, when the team's playing well, it makes my job a little bit easier. And defense is giving us short fields, um, O-line's protecting really well, and I got receivers downfield making plays. So all that comes together, and uh, I do my part, and it, it makes it a lot easier for me. The Bucks D did not make it easy. They didn't make it easy for the Lions offense in this game, who have scored 76 points in their last two. They limit Goff and Co. Four punts, two field goals, a missed field goal outside of the two great plays by Amon Ron Jameson. The Bucks have also only given up more than 55 plus rushing yards one time this season. And they really went for it. They gave it all in that one time, allowing the Eagles' DeAndre Swift to rush for 130 yards. But the Lions struggling at running back, obviously missing Jamar Gibbs to injury, and now losing their backup slash star running back, David Montgomery, in the second quarter, now reported to be a rib cartilage issue. Sounds painful. Rib cartilage? Oh. And he'll be out till week seven, at least. Which is a shame, because he was having a great year. And the Lions are fun to watch. And I'm sure he'll be missed. But the Lions should be okay. 5-1 and one on the year, having a little to play with. And their division, NFC North, not good. Bears, Packers, Vikings, all playing like shit this year. The Lions are going to win this division. And I'm excited for them. They're a fun team to watch. And again, I'm excited to watch them in the playoffs this year. But moving on to the last game of week six. Are the Bills okay? Sunday night football. Giants at the Bills. The Bills are minus 15 and a half in this one. Over and under 43 and a half. Easy cover for the Bills, right? Wrong. Bills 14, Giants 9. This game was awful to watch. Awful. I, I fell asleep at halftime. I woke up midway through the fourth. It was terrible. Josh Allen, 19 to 30, 169 yards, two touchdowns, throws a pick. And the Giants, with Daniel Jones out, starting Tyrod Taylor, who had his career turned upside down, if you remember, because... I believe it was the Bills team doctors punctured his lung with a shot. I don't know if that's even still a lawsuit going on. But they pretty much ended his career at the moment. Now he's back playing on the Giants, stepping in for Daniel Jones, having an okay game. 24, 36, 200 yards, no picks, no interceptions. The Bills get to him three times. Saquon Barkley, the reason for the low score, the reason for them being in this game at all. Carries the ball 24 times for 93 yards. Nice to see him back. Nice to see him back kind of healthy. Stefan Diggs for the Bills. Can't be contained. Elite. 10 receptions, 100 yards, but not getting in for any touchdowns. Targeted 16 times in this game. Getting his. Really the only bright spot for the Buffalo offense in this game. As Gabe Davis even fumbling in this one. But like I said, boring game. And Josh Allen has this to say about the Bills' performance. We're a much better team than we showed tonight. 
and showed last week. We got to figure out why that is and how to get ourselves out of a funk early on. Now, the Bills shut out in the first half for the first time since 2019 against the Giants, who are now 1-5. The Giants are bad. 0-5 in the red zone today. Nine penalties, bringing them back 65 yards. Actually, leading time of possession against the Bills, 31-28. to But still not finding a way to win, as they won't for the rest of the season. And as I've said before, they are officially Caleb Williams candidates. And if you were paying attention this week, Caleb Williams actually telling any NFL team that drafts him that he would like to negotiate with his contract ownership in the team that drafts him which is a pipe dream. It is not going to happen. But you never know. Maybe he starts the trend. Maybe more quarterbacks come out and say they want a piece of an NFL team. Hard to have a share in the NFL team you play for. I think that is negotiated by the Players Association that they're not allowed to do that. But we'll find out. Maybe he starts a trend. Caleb Williams, a potentially generational quarterback, going to be a star on any team he plays for. And I'm kind of hoping it's the Giants. It'd be fun to see him in the bright lights. And maybe he'll get a piece of the Giants. Who knows? But that wraps up my week six NFL no cap recap. Now, normally I move on to a little chaser. But I'm going to start releasing little chasers daily with news, much like I would at the end of my NFL no cap recaps. Podcast will now come out on Wednesdays, and my little chasers, I will sprinkle, do a little Salt Bay action, I will sprinkle them across the week and weekend for your viewing pleasure, and I will release those on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Sports OT Rocks. But a segment I will continue to release with Sports on the Rocks, with Ken Larimer Podcast, every Wednesday... Now that's cool. My feel-good segment of the week. This week, after being the butt of internet jokes for the last decade, Creed is making their triumphant return. On October 8th, the Texas Rangers pitcher Andrew Heaney told reporters after their Game 2 11-8 win over the Orioles that the team finds inspiration from blasting Creed before games. And as I mentioned before, Kirk Cousins also mentioned in Creed in his post-game win over the Bears that he was listening to a little Creed himself after the Rangers found success. Now this brings us to my video of Creed, who almost certainly was invited, showing up to the Rangers playoff game against the Astros this past week and post this video of them enjoying the game. Take a look. What's up, everybody? We are Creed, here for the ALCS Championship. Go Rangers! Rangers go, go MLB, Rangers. baby! Now, I what I did think was funny is uh, how detached Creed is, probably from sports, with their brand new Rangers jerseys, 100% provided by the Texas Rangers. And in the video, them saying, Go Rangers! Go Major League Baseball! Go MLB! <laughs> it reminded me of... Uh, uh, what's his name? It reminded me of, of that famous picture and now meme of uh, Rob Lowe at the, I think it was a Packers game, and he's wearing the 
NFL hat, just the hat with the NFL logo on it. Like he's he's just there as a fan of the sport and of uh, and of the association, not of any particular team. And that's what these Creed comments kind of felt like to me. It was pretty funny, but love Creed. Think they get a lot of hate just because they were popular, but I'm glad to see them back in the news in a positive light and really giving our athletes the inspiration they need to go out and play their game to the best of their abilities. Now that's cool. And we'll end today's Sports on the Rocks with Ken Larimer with my favorite segment, Last Call. The baseball regular season is meaningless. It's too long. It's cliche to say the baseball season is too long. Baseball purists will say it's the right amount. We've been keeping stats for 100 years. We can't shorten the season. We just can't make it happen. It's impossible. And to that I say, 162 games is too many games. And they are meaningless. And we can prove that with this year's playoffs. The top three teams from the National League Brewers, Dodgers, Braves, out. Losing in the playoffs. Dodgers being swept by the Arizona Cardinals. The Braves losing to the Phillies, which is an okay matchup. They went five. They went four. They lost 3-1. The Brewers getting swept in the wild card, also by the Diamondbacks. Now, I'm a fan of baseball. I'm a fan of the baseball season. But there is no reason... They need to be playing 162 games. You can bring it back to how many injuries we experience all year. More pitchers getting Tommy John surgery. More pitchers pitching less when they are healthy. We're moving to uh, every inning having a different pitcher. These bullpen days are more frequent now. It kind of feels like the NBA at times where star players are sitting just for the sake of sitting because there are too many games. Shorten the MLB season. The MLB season, because there are 162 games, the regular season is meaningless. You can have the best record in the league, in your division, as we see with 200-win teams and the Braves and the Dodgers losing in the playoffs, losing early. The playoffs are the only part of the year that matters. And now, changing the playoff format. So now when you get to the playoffs, they shorten the playoffs. I want the playoffs longer. I want the season shorter. I love baseball, but I feel like they're, they're going in the wrong direction. We're shortening the games, but we're keeping the same amount of games. We're shortening the, shortening the playoffs, but we're keeping the regular season long. And you can see when you go to some of these regular season games, they're sellouts, but half the stadium is empty. Even Yankee games. Yankee games, you go to a Yankee game, half the stadium is empty on a Tuesday night. We don't need 162 games. I'll also argue, having the MLB playoffs run into the NFL season, wrong. I love baseball. I love the NFL. I really haven't paid much attention to the MLB playoffs. Next week, I'll try to find the numbers and the statistics thus far on what the viewership is for the MLB playoffs, because I bet it's down and I bet it's low. And there are some big market teams in the playoffs this year. Rangers versus the Astros, that's exciting. We got Phillies at Diamondbacks. 
not so exciting, but the Phillies are a major market team. The Phillies are playing great. Bryce Harper's hitting home runs. Kyle Schwarber's hitting home runs. I still don't care. The regular season is too long. I'm exhausted by the time we get to the MLB playoffs. And then when we get to the playoffs, it's we take a pill. Boop. Wild card's done. Three games. Play the whole year to lose in two games and you're done. Then the next round, divisional playoffs, five games instead of seven. Again, three and you're done. You play 162 games to have potentially your season done in two games or three games. They got to work on something. I think this offseason they work on something. We got we to get longer playoffs. I don't know if they're ever going to shorten this season, but God, they really should. Because the baseball regular season is meaningless. But that wraps up Sports on the Rocks with Ken Larimer. I was your host, Ken Larimer. Today was October 18th, 2023. As always, if you like the show, please like and subscribe to YouTube. Like and subscribe to YouTube. Throw a comment. Let me know what you thought. Uh, your opinions. You hate me, you love me. Let me hear it. Don't forget to follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at SportsOTRocks. On Twitter, I like to share, retweet, comment, live tweet, football games, any game I'm watching. Again, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at SportsOTRocks, I will start loading my little chaser somewhat daily. I'll try to do it daily. A little Salt Bay action, or I might sprinkle across the week and over the weekend some stories that I'm interested in and that I'm reporting on. I'll also throw up uh, some of my NFL picks because I won't be doing my picks on this show as I do the recap. And I won't do it before the weekend, but I will release it before the weekend. My NFL picks for the weekend. I always do it on Twitter, but I will start doing that video so you can watch it on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sports OT Rocks. Again, new episodes of Sports on the Rocks with Ken Larimer out Wednesdays on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening. And don't forget to tip your bartenders. I'll see you next week.